This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. The North American Car, Truck, and Utility of the Year finalists have just been announced. We'll have them for you, along with some predictions by the Car of the Year jurors. I've got some interesting thoughts on the industry in general. General Motors says its electric vehicle sales will be profitable in 2025, thanks to more than a little help from uh, some of its friends. We'll tell you about that coming up. Some interesting new vehicles were introduced at the Los Angeles Auto Show that is going on now, and we'll have details for you. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. Hi, I'm Jack Nered, and with me is co-host Chris Teague. Back with us after a week off, Chris lives at one end of the country, I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and ways you can get most the most out of your automotive dollar. I know it's not winter there yet, Chris, and I'm wondering if you've had blizzard conditions. It's getting close, Jack. The ground is frozen, but no snow yet, so ah. uh, everything's frozen. All the critters are trying to climb into my cellar and into my living room through the cellar door, so... Uh, it's coming soon. How about you guys? I see that crazy stuff from uh, Buffalo, New York, and but that's a long way from where you are, and I guess you don't get lake effect snow the way they get it. Uh, so that's good news for you. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you had some moderating influences from the ocean there, which is probably a good thing. Uh, what vehicle would you like to tell us about this week, Chris? I spent the week in the 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning. I'm excited to uh, talk about it at an interesting time. Cool. And I had an interesting vehicle with a very long name. It's the 2023 Toyota Tacoma SR5 Double Cab Trail. I had a chance to drive it for a full week here in Southern California, and I'll have a full report. We have a great interview for you. Jenny Chang is product planner at Kia, and she and I will discuss the details of the heavily revised 2024 Kia Seltos. It promises to be much more exciting than before. I know you're excited about that, Chris. Uh, before we do anything else, though, we'll be bringing you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stay with us. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nerad with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Nerad back with you. We're so glad you're with us. Thanks so much for being with us on America on the Road. It is news time, and uh, some of the news comes from the North American Car, Truck, and Utility of the Year jury. I happen to be vice president of that organization, so they're getting uh, prime treatment on our news segment. But uh, that organization has announced its North American Car of the Year, Truck of the Year, and Utility of the Year finalists, three in each category, and then the, one of those uh, will be the North American Car, Truck, and Utility of the Year one each of those uh, coming up, and that will be announced in January. But here are the three uh, finalists in the North American Car of the Year race, the Acura Integra, I think a vehicle you and I have both liked pretty much, the Genesis G80 EV, which is a vehicle you road tested, I think, last time you were with us, and uh, I think we both raved about that vehicle. We did, yeah. And then there's the Nissan Z. I'm not sure whether you've had a chance to be in the Z yet, have you? Not yet, no. 
Yep, I spent a little time, in, well, more than a little time in the October uh, Ride and Drive uh, in Michigan. Here are the finalists for Truck of the Year, the Chevrolet Silverado ZR2, especially off-road version of the Silverado, the Ford F-150 Lightning. These are being presented, by the way, in alphabetical order by manufacturer. Uh, the Ford F-150 Lightning, which is the subject of uh, your road test today. So you're on top of this. You're just <laughs> you're rolling right through this. And then here's a vehicle I, I pretty much can guarantee you have not driven, and that is the Lordstown Endurance pickup truck. No, and I'm actually surprised to hear it on the list. Yeah, and I'm ahead of you because I have driven it. And uh, it's a pretty interesting vehicle, actually, and they have an interesting story. Here are the uh, finalists, again, in alphabetical order for Utility Vehicle of the Year. The Cadillac Lyric. Have you had a chance to drive that one? I have sat in one. I have not driven one. Yeah, I drove it again at the October Ride and Drive for uh, the jurors. Then the Genesis GV60. Genesis has two vehicles in this competition this year. And the Kia EV6 is uh, the final one. You probably, you've been in that, and I think you've, you've road tested it for us uh, fairly recently. As I say, the uh, finalists will be announced, or the winners in each of these categories will be announced January 11th in Detroit. I will be there, uh, God willing, to participate in that ceremony. So uh, we'll see what happens. Any reactions to that? Yeah, it's an interesting spread of vehicles. I think the number of EVs specifically, or especially, I should say, in the SUV space. So you've got uh, all three of them are electric. They're all three so, EVs, uh, right. And I'm not, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure that's the right decision, but that is the decision of 50 jurors, the collective wisdom of 50 jurors. There are some really good non-EVs in the sport utility category. The uh, Honda CRV, the Kia Sportage, a vehicle I raved about last week. Uh, I think it's just a terrific vehicle. I, there are others. The Lexus RX is, is there. Yeah. So Where's the Escalade V, Jack? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, a lot of good ones. Here are some predictions from the uh, Nactoid jurors. This is a, a straw poll we took when we were uh, doing our testing. They predict that EV sales will make up 10% of new vehicle sales between either 2023 and 2025 or 2025 and 2027 and 25% of new vehicle sales between 2027 and 2030, they won't reach 50% of new vehicle sales until 2030 or so, 2030 to 2035. So I think a little less bullish on EVs totally than, uh, than others. Yeah, you know, I've had a few years to assess the real world situation, I guess, with all these vehicles, and I've, I'm not going to go back into it now, but and I'll talk about it in my review at the F-150 Lightning. The public infrastructure just isn't there. Yeah. Uh, the costs are too high or, or higher than, than than usual right now. And it's hard to find some of these vehicles. You know, some of the most marked up vehicles that I've written about in the past two or three months have been the Kia EV6, the Genesis GV60, uh, you know, the, the, the Ford F-150 Lightning. You still can't buy an F-150 Lightning now that's been on a dealer's lot without, you know, 10 or 20%. So it's interesting to see how things progress and especially with the jurors, you know, where you guys fall in line with some of these vehicles. So I can't wait to see uh, who wins. But again, full EVs on the SUV front, uh, I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm for it. Well, you point out something that the NACTOY jurors also pointed out, the North American Car of the Year jurors, that public charging limitations are a big reason why uh, EV growth won't be quicker. And then there's, of course, misinformation, uh, hopefully not disinformation, but misinformation about EVs uh, and vehicle cost. Uh, you know, those are other reasons. Uh, it'll be a while before the majority of cars eligible for 
North American car of the year are EVs. It'll just take some time. Here's something, though, that General Motors certainly is bullish on EVs, and they expect to be profitable, that their EV sales be profitable by 2025 or in 2025. The thing that's, I, I mentioned a little help from their friends, it's their friends in the federal government, <laughs> because uh, the recently enacted federal subsidies that uh, have negatively affected the uh, import manufacturers are very positive for, the, for General Motors. And as Mary Barra, who's the chief executive GM, said, uh, the federal subsidies are essentially plugging the profitability gap uh, for General Motors. This is, uh, I found this interesting, and I'm curious as to your comment on this. Federal subsidies could add between $3,500 and $5,500 a vehicle to pre-tax profits for GM electric vehicles. What's your take on that vis-a-vis the $7,500 the taxpayers are contributing to this? Yeah, I got to say, you know, from a taxpayer perspective, that was probably not the intent of the law. I mean, I know that they made it pretty pretty restrictive on where the EV can be made and, and all those things. So uh, they had to know going into this, this is going to benefit General Motors, Ford, uh, to a degree, you know, other automakers, uh, Stellantis. So uh, not necessarily the intent of the law, but I guess it's probably a necessary side effect if they're going to roll out these uh, these are these subsidies check. Well, the EV sales will be a kind of a pebble in the lake or something, or a, you know, a few drops in the bucket uh, is probably a better way to describe it in terms of overall profitability for General Motors because their internal combustion engine vehicles are going to contribute most of the profit, certainly for this decade and going forward. In fact, their profits will drive the development of EVs, which kind of makes sense. You use the profit on the vehicles you're selling now to do R&D, research and development, and then uh, develop new vehicles. But uh, I just found that fascinating that uh, that's what's going on with General Motors. Of the, of the vehicles, and we tease this a little bit so we should talk about it, uh, the vehicles announced at the LA Auto Show, uh, there's a new Fiat 500e and kind of a, a reinvention, I think, of the Fiat brand in the United States as an all-electric this will be exciting. What's your, what's your take on, on that? Pretty interesting uh, concept vehicles they showed. It is. You know, a lot of people speculated that Fiat was just going to go away from the United States after, what, 2023, maybe 2024. So I'm happy to see them stick around. I think for Stellantis, it's the perfect extension for them to sort of dip more than just their toe into the electrical, the electric electrification pool, if I can say that properly, uh, without damaging, you know, the the brand of the Hellcat or the performance brand. So uh, no risk for Stellantis there. And for Fiat, it's great because they can sell their, their tiny cars as urban runabouts, uh, which is what they were intended to be in the first place. So Yeah. And as I say, pretty cool uh, concept cars they showed there. We'll, we'll show some of that stuff on driving today. And Subaru debuted the 2024 Impreza compact car as a hatchback. Uh, it's a pretty good-looking car. I, I don't think it's driving anybody crazy in terms of excitement, but uh, it's always been a, a very strong car in the Northeast. I think you probably see a ton of Imprezas uh, up there in Maine, huh? We had an Impreza wagon not too long ago, uh, but it's it's exciting to see them bring back the uh, RS trim, you know, the more the sportier version of this this car. Still gets uh, CVT transmission, and it probably won't be. Uh, the most exciting thing to drive, but uh, they're giving some of the some of the feeling back with that trim, and I like the wagon body style of the Impreza better anyway. So, uh, good for them. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are hatchback fans. I certainly like the utility of that versus a, a sedan and uh, with a, a conventional trunk, and uh, I think they'll do a good job with it. This was the only global debut at the Los Angeles Auto Show. It shows how things are changing. 
Of course, Toyota announced the Prius, uh, the all-new Prius, the, the night before, but and had one at the show, but did, did no press conference there. So that's another exciting view. And, and I can say that the new Prius is good-looking and pretty, uh, pretty exciting in a lot of ways. So thumbs up for that. So that's what we saw at the LA Auto Show. That's our news for this week. And when we come back, we're going to have a couple road tests, including the Ford F-150 Lightning. And I was driving a Toyota Tacoma. So we'll tell you all about both of those when we come back. Stay with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jack and right back with you. We're so glad Chris is back with us after a week off, a little scare there in, in Maine. But uh, I hope everything turned out all right. And uh, Chris back with us. And uh, for road test time, we... You have a really interesting vehicle. We've talked about it before, but I don't think you can talk too much about the Ford F-150 Lightning, can you? Yeah, you can't, Jack. It's a very, very interesting vehicle. I was testing the uh, light, the Lariat trim, which is the next to highest trim you can get. We talked about this a few times, or at least I've written about it a few times over the past uh, year, is that Ford has had to raise the base pricing of this vehicle uh, a couple of times, or at least once, I should say, uh, to accommodate for supply chain shortages and whatnot. Uh, so the base price of the Lightning Pro starts at around $51,000 now. Uh, that's up from you know right around $40,000 when it started. Uh, the Lariat trim that I tested, the standard model starts at around 75. I tested the extended range battery model, which comes in around 86. Uh, that battery and powertrain brings 580 horsepower, 775 pound-feet of torque. It's got 131 kilowatt hour battery. I'm sorry, kilowatt battery. Uh, the uh, standard range model is at about 240 miles. The extended range is 320. Jack, I want to get your feeling for this. You've driven the Lightning. Have you driven both batteries or only one or the other? Which one did you get to drive? You know, I have driven several editions of the I've, uh, of the Lightning. I've had one here at home. I, I drove a couple on the event. Uh, I'm going to get another one in uh, about three weeks' time. I, I guess I can't tell you unless I'm working off into the future what that's going to be like. But I, I, I frankly can't remember uh, off the top. I have a feeling they had the, the longest-range batteries is the, are the vehicles that I drove. The point of me asking that is the acceleration here. So if you've never driven an electric vehicle at all or an electric truck for that matter, putting your foot down in an F-150 Lightning is a jaw-dropping experience. You can feel the blood sort of moving from the back to the towards the back of your head. Uh, some people, if they're, they're unexpected, it can be very shocking. Uh, I realize that's not the point of a pickup truck like this, but uh, it's just a fun party trick. It's something I thought I brought up is the reason why I wanted to get a a feel for you here. Uh, we could talk about charging, Jack, and I think this was my one of my biggest experiences with this truck was with charging. Uh, so using a 240-volt outlet, so a level 2 charger you'd have at your house, 13 miles of range per hour if you leave it charged in, char charging at home on a level 2. Uh, if you're at a DC fast charger, you can add much more range than you can with the, the level 2 charger at home. So here where I live in uh, the Brunswick Mid-Coast Maine area, we've got a couple of chargers, one of which is located in the uh, shopping center where I go to, to the grocery shop the trucks uh navigation picked it up takes you there it's an evgo charger that doesn't work jack i'm sure you've, you've seen this <laughs> many many times before calling evgo they said oh we had no idea that it was it was not working uh, but we have no plans to fix it and no idea when it's going to be fixed so i ended up charging for the week on a local uh nature conservancy uh 240 volt charger uh so just to drive home the point of the the infrastructure is not there uh the infrastructure is definitely not there so uh, inside, there's a 12-inch dis display that comes standard. My test truck had a 15.5-inch display. Sync 4, Ford's infotainment software is fantastic. It's colorful. It's responsive. 
It doesn't take more than a couple of taps to accomplish almost anything in the system. Uh, so you can drive the truck and not be overly distracted trying to change a radio station or set your climate controls. Uh, and when you're parked, and my kids love this, it has a sketch pad on the, the screen so they can draw with their fingers while we're waiting at dance class or while you're charging at a level two charger at 13 miles <laughs> per hour. Are they waiting for you while you're in your dance class? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I'm waiting on them while they're in their dance ah, class, so that. that's okay. it. Uh, so the Lightning comes in a crew cab. It's got seating for five. If you've ever been in a modern F-150, you'll recognize that this is a very cavernous, very large space. Uh, Jack, I always talk about how tall I am. It's kind of irrelevant here because I could be 10 feet tall and probably still have enough room in the back uh, for the kids. That's that's probably an exaggeration. But at six feet tall, there's more than enough room for kids' seats uh, with my seat adjusted the way I like it. Uh, plenty of luxury features here. Again, for almost $90,000, you could probably expect that. Jack, I just I can't say enough about this truck. I feel like it's a, it's a finished product. It feels cohesive. It feels like it's ready for prime time. There's a little bit of difference in the way it handles. You know, the batteries do make it feel a little heavier and more uh, swaying when you're going around corners and things. But for a first effort on a full-size electric pickup truck, I think they did a great job here. I think it's a terrific vehicle. I think it's the odds-on favorite to win North American Truck of the Year. Uh, I'd be surprised if it didn't. I think every juror would probably be surprised if it didn't. It's it's a terrific vehicle. I It's expensive. I don't know that it's a heads-up replacement for a gasoline-powered F-150. I think there's a, maybe a, more utility in the gasoline-powered version, and certainly more utility per dollar. But uh, heaven knows, it's a really good effort. Yeah, I think long-distance towing and maybe towing in general might be the only the biggest selling point for the gas truck at this point in time, but the electric is definitely coming up. And I think if you do cross-country towing, uh, you, you'll really want the gas gas version instead of the electric. Although the electric is prime for towing. I mean, they have spent special effort on towing on that thing. So I have towed a giant trailer with, with one all by myself. Uh, so I know it'll do it. Well, I had a vehicle that is the dominant midsize pickup truck, and that's the Toyota Tacoma. It has been the dominant midsize pickup truck for a long, long time now. You know, Burger King used to say, have it your way, and uh, Toyota does the same with the Tacoma. Uh, they have a million, well, not a million. I think it's more like 34 different major variations of this vehicle, and then there's all kinds of permutations over that. What they don't have is a conventional cab pickup truck. Uh, that's kind of gone the way of all. I think those are, are cool and, you know, uh, maybe they'll come back, but um, you just don't see that in the Tacoma or pretty much any other pickup truck these days. Very few of them. I think in some full size, you can get a, a standard cab kind of unit. Uh, they have two four-door, two-row variants in Tacoma. Uh, one with rear hinge doors and a, you know, kind of a suicide type rear hinge door, a tiny one. Uh, to allow uh, backseat access to a very small backseat. That's the access cab. And then the double cab has more conventional rear doors uh, and more, more room back there. They come in long and short wheelbase versions. So that's kind of the general take on, uh, on uh, Tacoma. Comes in six different trim levels, the SR, SR5, that's probably the most popular, the TRD Sport, TRD Off-Road, the Limited, and the TRD Pro. What I was driving was a, a riff off the SR5, and that's the Trail Edition. They introduced this first in 2021. It came back in 2022, and they've upgraded it again for 2023 uh, with some good stuff. In fact, it's got a, a lift of 1.1 inches because it has taller coil springs now. They took off the front air dam, 
giving it better approach angle, uh, which is good. Uh, you'd just knock off the front air dam if, <laughs> if you were going off-roading before. So it seems wise that they took that up. Uh, the rear uh, suspension has been lifted half an inch. So there's a spacer between the rear axle housing and the leaf springs. So it just sits a little higher. Breakover has been improved a little bit. This I thought you'd be excited about because I know you're a Bronze Age uh, fan and it has bronze finished wheels uh, with a little wider track width and all-terrain tires. So that's good. You're going off-road. All-terrain tires are excellent. It has borrowed skid plates from the TRD off-road. So again, off-roading kind of thing. Electric ro locking rear differential, standard. There's a 120 volt power outlet in the bed for powering stuff if you need to. So I think this is a good version of this vehicle. Um, it has the optional 3.5 liter V6, which is the engine you should get. Why, why they're still offering the four cylinder, I don't know. I'm talking a lot about this. Uh, I'd love your opinion on, on the Tacoma. I know you're a Toyota fan. I like the Tacoma. I actually just advised my father-in-law to buy one uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, some some complaints about the outdated technology. The seating position does not work for me at all. But that's not that's not just me. I think is he six people... feet tall too, or is he shorter than you? <laughs> he is just about the same as I am. Ah, yeah, there you but, go. Uh, well, huh? but you know, I think all in all, it's a capable truck. You know, there as you say, there's several different variations. I used to make fun of, or at least note that American automakers offered, you know, a thousand different a la carte options and Toyota used to have four trims. And if you liked it, you could get whichever trim, you know, you want a sunroof, you get the, the LE or whatever. But uh, so that's kind of shifted a little bit. So it's interesting to hear that there are so many variants, but I like the Tacoma. It's just a few, few small complaints away from being an, an excellent, fantastic truck. Yeah. You do mention that it is long in the tooth and this is, it was introduced in this form in 2015 as a 2016 model. So it's due for a change fairly soon. And I'm, I'm always kind of iffy about buying a vehicle right at the end of its uh, model life, but they have upgraded this and it's still the best selling uh, in the class. So, you know, people are liking what they're getting there. It has a six speed manual transmission or a six speed automatic uh, in the V6. So you have that going for you. As I say, four-wheel drive, and with four-wheel drive, its fuel economy is, a, is about 18 miles per gallon in the city, 23 on the highway, and 20 combined, which isn't too bad, really, uh, for a truck. Uh, the infotainment technology is better than before from Toyota. It's not to say it's leading edge, but it certainly has improved. It now includes Android Auto, Apple CarPlay, uh, Amazon Alexa compatibility. And you get a three-month trial of Sirius XM. So should you like it, you want to hear the ball games or your favorite music channel, the, the Pearl Jam channel, say, or something like that, uh, you're allowed to do that. Eight-inch touchscreen display. And then overall, if you get the uh, double cab version, there's reasonable room in the back seat. If you get the uh, access cab version, the back seats are, are pretty much occasional seats for emergencies only uh, and lockable storage. So all in all, I think uh, they've done a good job uh, with the Tacoma and the Trail Edition, I think, is a good one. Kind of nicely priced, right around $40,000 with a lot of good off-road stuff, but not nearly as expensive as the TRD Pro. I think we've got a couple winners here, don't we? A couple of great pickup trucks. I agree with that. There you have it for our road test. And when we come back, we will have an excellent interview for you. Jenny Chang is a, not only a delightful person, but she's a product planner at Kia. And she and I will discuss the details of the heavily revised 2024 Kia Seltos. It's more exciting than you think, Chris. 
Uh, it's it's kind of got to be, maybe, but uh, it's more exciting than you think, so stay with us for that. Uh, this is Jack Red with you, along with Chris Teague, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Red with you. We are behind the scenes with Kia at the Los Angeles Auto Show with a terrific guest for you. Jenny Chang is a product planner at Kia talking about an all-new vehicle, well, kind of all-new, in the Kia Seltos. Tell us about it. Yes, absolutely. Um, Thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to showcase our facelift, uh, Seltos. It's going to be coming out in the first half of 2023 as a 24-model year, Um, and it's a pretty big refresh. Uh, We've done a lot inside and out. Um, Starting with the powertrain, this is something we're super excited about. Um, On our 1.6 Turbo, Um, engine, we've actually upgraded it by 20 horsepower and changed also the transmission from a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission to an eight-speed automatic, making it a much smoother ride um, So more conventional torque-converter type uh, automatic transmission? Uh, Yes, yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Um, Torque is the same at 195 pound-feet, but uh, it just, it was a huge upgrade that we were asking for a while just to get rid of the 70 CT, so this was exciting, and to give us the additional 20 horsepower, you just couldn't get better than that. So we're, yeah. we're and 20 horsepower in a, in a package of that size is a lot of say, horsepower, right? Exactly. Um, as far as the segment is concerned, that's, that's pretty much like leading the segment in many ways. So we're excited about that. And then, um, the design, you know, it, it was already a pretty good looking car and now we've made it even more, uh, gorgeous to look at. Um, you know, looking from starting from the front, uh, we redesigned it so that it just had a lot more of this, um, streamlined and advanced look, gave it a beefier grill, um, it still has this awesome signature lighting that goes across. Um, we call it the star map lighting. And then we're giving it projection LEDs. That's going to be available, which previously wasn't. So the whole look is, is just a, a nice upgrade uh, from the outgoing model. And then if you go to the rear, same thing. We changed the lighting. Um, it's amazing how much they, they did without changing the sheet metal. And that's why it, it really just almost feels like an all new. Um, but they did a great job with the rear tail lamps, you know, going across the tailgate. So that's the outside. And speaking of the tailgate, uh, one of the bigger features we've added on to it is our uh, power tailgate option. So, so that's going to be available on a sunroof package that we uh, put on our top SX trim. Power tailgate was a big ask. Uh, a lot of folks were um, you know, requesting. And yeah, so I mean, it's so convenient to have that. It's and great. Once you've had it, you, you can't, can't really back. do it without it, can you? Absolutely. Yeah. So we have that. And then I would say the biggest um, theme for this uh, facelift is the technology. And you will see it once you step inside. Um, It is, I think the first in the segment, it uh, has a panoramic display. So this essentially is two screens, dual screens that are 10.25 inches each um, for the cluster, as well as our our, um, Navi screen. And, it's and the way they're positioned, they don't really look like two screens, right? It no. looks like a kind of a continuous well, screen Well, that's the, all the, way the display. Yeah. It's yeah. all on one display, but they have the two different right. screens on each of them. So that's available on all our Navi-equipped trims. Um, and of course, you know, packed with all the Kia connected features. Um, we have available d- uh, key, the um, digital key to touch. That's one of our newer features. So that's launching uh, on Seltos. That's all new for Seltos. And then um, we've also got um, some new, you know, oh, we have a ventilated front seats. That's also made available. So for for some of the convenience, the other tech feature is four USB ports. So previously, I think we only had one standard, but now Mm. that's standard. 
Yeah. And so, you know, we're really trying to bring in a lot of the younger buyers, as you saw at the press conference. Um, Seltos has been so successful in bringing in a lot of Gen Y and even Gen Z buyers into our lineup. And we definitely want to continue that momentum. So technology, you know, that that's. Yeah. Well, and it them. seems like the timing for for a renewed Seltos is is spot on, right? It is. I mean, fuel it prices is. are high. It's a it's exactly. a very economical vehicle. It's economical to buy. It's economical to own. Absolutely. Talk about that. A Absolutely. Bit. Yes. Um. You know, this is like a gateway model for us. It is the, you know, of all our SUVs with all-wheel drive, it is you know the most affordable of all of them. Um, and it continues to be positioned above Soul and below Sportage. But for those buyers who, you know, they don't really uh, want the size of a Sportage and they want all-wheel drive, Seltos is perfect. Yeah. Um, well, it's Sportage right has gotten bigger too, right? And so Sportage has gotten bigger, exactly. So, so now, you know, this positions Seltos even more uniquely and perfectly for those who don't need such a big, uh, large package in, in Sportage. Um, and, you know, the two engines, having that option. So the 1.6 turbo we talked about, that's just one engine choice we have for those who want that extra pep. But we continue to have the carryover 2.0 liter naturally aspirated engine for those who want, you know, just the comfortable ride um, and they don't need that extra pep. And, of course, that will be the more affordable engine. Mm -hmm. So And fuel economy of those two, which, which is the better fuel economy? Uh, definitely the 2.0 liter will have better fuel economy. We don't have those numbers officially out yet for the facelift, but we'll get those out, you know, Know, as soon as um, everything is certified. But yes, uh, of the two, to your point, um, the 2.0 would be for those who want a little more MPG. Mm -hmm. Yep. What are some competitive vehicles? What do you look at to your competition in that? Yeah, um, you know, this is like the, the biggest or fastest growing segment right now. You know, after the Sportage segment got maxed out, you know, everybody started finding the next, you know, white space, if you will. And this was it, the entry SUV. So lots of players i would say of the top performers that we keep an eye on subaru crosstrek is up there um we have honda hrv of course we know they have you know their new model They're just came out mm -hmm. um and of course um the, of the domestics gm with um the chevrolet tra trailblazer they have an all-new tracks coming out which was a big surprise to us but um trailblazer is, is definitely another one we're looking at being new there's a lot of newer models in there i would say those are the top three that we're keeping an eye on of course there's also the Corolla Cross, you know, from Toyota that just came out. A lot of new players. Um, the Asian imports are always ones that we keep an eye on, namely because sure. we're kind of part of that pack. Well, and you have quality and dependability stories going for you. You have a lot of value yep. story. That's so right. A, a lot of good things going on, right? That's right. Um, yeah, we're really proud of, you know, what we've been able to accomplish for the lineup and brand. And for Seltos, you know, we were able to hit, I think, for 2022 um, TSP, you know, uh, rating. And so, you know, we're going to continue to shoot pick. for that. Top safety pick, excuse From me. From the IIHS. From IIHS. The, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. You got that. I'm so glad you're able to roll that off your tongue, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> I'm all about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you for articulating that. But yes, you know, safety is a big deal. And I forgot to mention that that's still part of, you know, the new Seltos. And we added. Um, this one we're really proud of, um, cyclist detection for our automatic emergency braking. You know, that was not previously standard. So, and you had to buy like the top trim to get cyclist detection. So now we're making that standard. You know, it's more, again, just pushing the story of safety, which everybody is looking for these days. Right.
Who buys Seltos? It strikes me as a, a perfect urban vehicle, but you tell me who the Sure, who sure. Are. Yeah, so we do have quite a few young buyers. Um, I would say right now, Seltos is leading the segment uh, with the youngest buyers, youngest average, average age. So um, we have folks who are mostly couples and singles because you know, it's not, even though it could accommodate, let's say a small family, a one child family, it's not really a family car. That's what Sportage and our larger SUVs would, um, would uh, meet. But it's couples and singles of the younger age set, but also we do I have- I know where you're going with it. Yeah, the, the, the older, you know, um, MT nester, um, you know, retirees, folks who don't have, you know, kids, um, there's that set too. And, yeah. and that's just a phenomenon we see in this segment because they want the SUV body style for, you know, the safety, uh, the higher ride height, the comfort, um, but they don't need the size. Yeah. And so Seltos completely fits that bill too. So we kind of have both of those. Our goal, of course, is to continue to bring in more young buyers into our lineup. That way they can continue to stay in the Kia brand and buy up as they, yeah, you know, yeah, change life course, stages. Walk so. us through the, the Seltos lineup. Uh, what's available in terms of trims? And oh, sure, of. sure. So the current lineup is um, we start with a, a standard all-wheel drive LX trim. And then as you move up, so for the 23 model year, okay, we've got the S um, above that. And then uh, that's followed by an ES, or excuse me, EX trim. So these are all the 2.0 engines. So okay. it's LX. And are those all all-wheel drive or? Are oh, those, uh, no. So the S trim is the one where you get a front-wheel drive option. Got it, okay. And then EX is standard all-wheel drive. And then we move into our 1.6 turbo engine trims. And uh, the current 23 model year has the Nightfall Edition, which is a very cool looking, you know, dark um, trim. Um, uh, grade and then the top trim is the SX. So there's two trims with the one six engine and then there's a sunroof package on the SX for that. So we're going to keep similar trims. Um, we are actually going to introduce an X line. Oh, okay. So um, in lieu of the nightfall edition, uh, we're going to have an X line to, you know, so no nightfall. Yeah, that's been sun, out for sun, sunsetting that for a while. It's huh? been out for a couple years now. So mm -hmm. we figured, you know, Seltos never had an X line. Our other SUVs do, um, and it makes sense to bring that to you know continue sort of that message of capable SUVs. Um, you know, while it's mostly cosmetics, it still gives it that nice or you know outdoorsy look to it. That. Um, rugged look to it. So, you know, we're going to continue that appeal by adding X-Line to the Seltos. Yeah, you, you get that appeal, uh, that visual appeal without yeah. the expense of a lot of stuff that you probably wouldn't use. Or I think that's the one of the value stories there, right? Yeah, yeah. And who knows what the future holds. We may, you know, change that up later on for Seltos if we see that there's a need and people are willing to pay for that. Um, but yeah, you know, Is just there a to desire look. to do a Seltos going forward that would be even more off-road oriented? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's something we always talk about given, you know, a lot of that interest right now in the U.S. market. It seems like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not off the table. We'll, we'll continue to look into that. At the minimum, we'll have concepts coming out if not a production vehicle, but, you know, capable SUVs, that's what Kia's 
uh, lineup is about right now. And, um, you know, we want to see what we can do and explore in that arena. So let's talk about digital key. I'm curious about that and, and you know, having a little more detail on that. Sure, sure. Um, so basically, this is one really cool way where you don't have to have a key fob with you to open um, the, the car door anymore. You can do it on your phone. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's like not all phone models are, you know, capable of it, but for sure we've got some of the big. So if you had a flip phone, you probably or a, a jitterbug, you probably <laughs> couldn't do it. Maybe not some of the older models, but the right. new ones. Um, and so it's a total convenience feature, and it's one that again speaks to a lot of the younger generation, where it's all about the phone, all about digital everything um, and you know how we often forget our keys so being able to and also have different users right you so you don't have to be the sole driver of the car you can share your digital key with other users to be able to open up the car and access yeah, it and you don't have to share your phone you send and that you, digital key you send through, through exactly, their exactly exactly so it's our digital key to touch that's the official name and it's just such an incredibly convenient, but also, you know, very much cutting edge feature that we want to make available um, to, you know, buyers who look for that kind of technology yeah. and convenience. Well, and it's cool that it's on a vehicle that is this close to entry level, right? Exactly. You know, we, it might, while we might be in the entry CUV segment, we don't want to call ourselves that. We're entry maybe at the most um, in terms of our price. You know, we definitely want to make it accessible um, without it being a value car. That's not our, you know, our, our strategy here. We want people to see it as, you know what, that's more premium. That's actually more of a class up for me, but yet I can actually afford it and, you know, be able to feel good about that purchase instead of compromising and going for something that's only second best. What is the one feature about the new Seltos that you're most excited about? Ooh, that is a really difficult one. I would say, that panoramic display mm -hmm. yeah I, because it, it just looks so cool to go in there and see this this really big screen okay wait i have a second one you're allowed <laughs> to you're allowed to yeah. i can't no problem. Just, i was just thinking about it right now the other very cool one really is um just because i've worked on it a little bit is is just the powertrain enhancement mm -hmm. you know because you know having a car that's also fun to drive in this segment that's also you know normally not part of this class this, this is not about performance entry yeah. cuvs but again, we're offering that because we want to define the segment uh, for the buyers. And so to have something at 195 horsepower is pretty awesome to, yeah, to have yeah. it in this class. So those two features, I would say, we're very proud of. Well, awesome. Awesome. Ah. Jenny Chang, thanks so much for speaking with us. We oh, do appreciate it. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Neerud, back with you. So we're so glad you're with us right here on the Sports Map Radio Network stations. We have a listener question because it is listener question time, a perfect time to uh, ask a listener question. And I'm going to get right to it because I think we might have a little bit of a long answer here. Steve in San Diego, California, writes this. I just saw that the United States is going to pay some kind of reparations to third world countries for our part in global climate change. What's your reaction to that? And do you think it's warranted? Uh, my reaction to that. Well, the word reparations, I think, is not the right approach. I think that some donation or contribution to the overall fixing of the situation is a more appropriate routing of that money, Jack, as opposed to uh, we we had this impact on the environment, so now we're going to pay some money to XYZ country to fix it. Uh, and I'll also say 
that a lot of what's happening now is just outsourcing from our industrialization to other countries too. So uh, I think reparations is probably the wrong approach in my opinion, Jack. Again, I think that it should be some shared solution here. I'm just wondering why we owe, we American taxpayers, because that's I kind of always equated to that. And I think we've committed a billion dollars, which to me is a lot of money, to do this after largely saying, and, and to his credit, John Kerry, who is the U.S. climate envoy, has been against this over and over and over again. And then the Europeans uh, apparently uh, decided they go along with it anyway. And so then we decided to go along, or we as the United States government decided to go along with it. I'm not sure why we owe other countries money. Uh, we're already paying, or a, a conglomeration of the developed nations are paying $100 billion a year to poor countries to help them reduce emissions and things that uh, do climate change. We've also helped them industrialize and I think improve the quality of life around the globe markedly uh, over the course of the last 50 or 100 years. I, I think there's a lot, of, a lot more than meets the eye here. I'm so glad you, you're with us this week, Chris. Uh, thanks so much for co-hosting so ably. Uh, it's always great to talk to you about cars. I'm so glad to be back. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I will say if you like what you heard, please check out the sportsmapradio.com website. There you can find us on the Saturday morning schedule. You can find our podcast on all major platforms as well as a formatted radio version of the show. Before we go, I would like to plug my newest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime thriller inspired by true crime. It actually looks like this. I'm going to hold it up to the microphone for you radio listeners, but I'm holding out of the camera for YouTubers, so look for that. And remember our show, as Chris said, is available as, uh, as a podcast. Thanks to the SportsMap Radio Network station for carrying America on the road. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. We really do appreciate it. And join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road. This is Jack Neerad. Thanks very much for listening to this America on the Road podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Chris and I would really appreciate that. You know, I don't just write about cars. I also write about crime. And I'm excited about my new book, Dance in the Dark. It's a suspense thriller inspired by true crime. A lot of readers have told me that Dance in the Dark is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my definitive account of the famous bathing suit model murder mystery. In the book, an average guy like you and me finds himself caught between the police and a drug cartel. He's wanted for a murder he didn't commit, and the only possible ally he has is a beautiful woman he's just met. But can he trust her? Or is she the reason he's in trouble in the first place? Dance in the Dark is available now exclusively at Amazon, so if you'd like, please check it out. And thanks very much for listening to America on the Road.